Welcome to Running Up the Score. I am Alex Kennedy. This is my new show where I talk all things sports, NBA, NFL, fantasy sports. We're going to cover it all. Every Tuesday and Friday evening, I'll be joined by a different guest. Today, that guest is a friend of mine, former colleague, one of the best NBA reporters in the business who works for Hoops Hype. If you aren't following him on Twitter, make sure you do at Mike A. Scotto. He is so close to 50,000 followers. By the end of this stream, I want him over 50K. That is our goal for this stream. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up, brother? Me too. I, uh, we, we go over, we go down, we go back over. It's gonna we want to we we fly way over the top on it. Well, NBA training camps kicked off today. Uh, we had media days yesterday. We had very busy week you know, last week with uh, different trades. You had Damian Lillard, Drew Holiday. There's still the James Harden talks going on. So there's a ton of stuff to talk about in the NBA world. Again, no better time to be following someone like Scotto here. Um, but let's go ahead and get into uh, just these different topics. I want to start with the Bucks, uh, with Dame Lillard, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez. Are the new look Milwaukee Bucks the favorites to hoist the Larry O'Brien Trophy next season? Do you feel like they're the favorites to win it all? Or is there another team, you know, like maybe the Denver Nuggets that stand out to you as the favorite? I mean, I think in the East, you're going to flip a coin between Boston and Milwaukee and everybody else is far below them. I mean, I, I don't really know how else to say it. To me, um, I think Boston has younger legs and a little bit more depth than Milwaukee at this point. Um, so with Milwaukee, I worry about, um, you know, Brooke Lopez is getting older. Chris Middleton's coming off a pretty uh, – big injury last year. Um, and it took him a little bit of time to get back. So I think they're going to need time to adjust with Damian Lillard. Um, now on the flip side with Boston, I think retaining Al Horford is big because with Kristaps Porzingis, we know his injury history can be a bit of an issue. Um, but you hope that he's going to be all right and, and able to stay on the court. Um, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, their two core franchise guys have young legs. They should be fine. Um, you know, Malcolm Brogdon was obviously upset that he almost was traded and then he finally did get traded. Um, so I think that that's gonna, um, alleviate any potential locker room issues. And overall, um, I just, I think they have a, a really good shot, both teams. If I had to pick between the two right now, I would lean, uh, Boston, for their younger legs and they have slightly more depth right now, in my opinion. I think it's going to be so much fun watching this Bucks team. You know, Damian Lillard had his best year of his career last year, was just so dominant offensively, was able to score from everywhere. Uh, obviously, Giannis is the best player he's ever played with. And, you know, if you had those two, it'd be fun. But when you, act, you factor in Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, I mean, this team is just going to be a juggernaut. So I'm really excited to watch this team. Uh, you know, we'll see Dame on national TV much more, which is going to be fun. Um, you mentioned the Celtics, and I think it's really interesting that, you know, they're, they're trusting Chris Daps Porzingis an awful lot. You know, someone that's had some injury issues throughout his career. Um, by trading Robert Williams III, you know, they're really dependent on Porzingis and, and Al Horford. Uh, I love the Drew Holiday move. I think it makes a lot of sense when you lose someone like Marcus Smart. Holiday is one of the most respected guys in the NBA, beloved by executives, coaches. Uh, it's not a surprise that there were a ton of teams showing interest in Holiday. Uh, and I think he makes them a lot better. That's obviously a, a really talented team. But what are your thoughts on kind of this Celtics front court? And uh, do you think that could be a concern throughout the season just because of the age of Horford, the injury issues with Porzingis? 
<clears throat> yeah, but I think Alex, like, first off, you know, Robert Williams was hurt too at times. Yeah. So, all right. You know, at the end of the day, they need Al Horford. You're going to laugh, and I'm sure some people are, but that's the guy they think that can guard Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's not going to be uh, Chris Stapps in the playoffs. So um, I think KP gives them more versatility offensively. And I've always said this, and a lot of GMs think this way. A third big man on a team, you could sign for a veteran minimum. Okay, and with Boston, with the tax apron and all that, and that's got to be their play. Um, I just think that's the way it's going now for with this new CBA. A lot of backup positions are going to be filled by guys on minimum contracts. And we've seen that over time at center anyway. So I'm not as concerned about it overall. I think the pros outweighed the cons. Drew Holiday is, I, I think, you know, 29 other teams would love Drew Holiday, truthfully. I mean, he's a great defensive guy. He's a clutch playoff performer. Really good locker room guy, community assist award type guy, everything you want in a player. Has a good contract overall, um, you know, fair value. So to me, I, I, they needed to replace the toughness of Marcus Smart, as you alluded to. They did that. Brogdon, you know, wasn't thrilled that he was in trade talks previously. And then he finally got moved. And I said, Rob Williams had gotten hurt. The, the draft picks. Um, you, you know, you got to take a shot now. You can't be worrying about 2024, 2029. You got to win a title now when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are in the prime of their career. And it's, it's their best shot, ultimately. So I, I love the move for Boston. And, and the other thing is, you know, they, they get better. And, and the teams that were trying to go for them were some other teams in the East. You know, Miami yeah. wanted to make a run at them. Um, and, and that would have been huge for them, but they didn't get it done. You know, I don't know if that's because, you know, Joe Cronin didn't want to deal with them or not, but at the end of the day, um, you know, they couldn't get it done, and that's the bottom line. So for, for Boston, I think it's a huge stride forward, and I'm looking forward, more importantly, to seeing Drew and Dame, I think, face off in the Eastern Conference Finals. And if I was Drew Holiday, I would have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder seeing a city throw a parade and everything for – Dame Lillard after, you know, Drew Holiday was a, an all-defensive team guy, won a championship with the Bucs and was an all-star for them. It's not like this guy um, was underwhelming. He was a really good player for them that Giannis loved, and it was a very complicated move for the Bucs to get Dame and to, and to have to part with Drew. It wasn't easy at all. Yeah, that's a good point. So I'm curious, uh, James Harden is the last star player that's out there that everyone's kind of wondering when will he be moved. There's all the rumors about the, the Clippers. And, uh, you know, he, he was talking about a holdout. Now there's reports that he's going to show up at training camp. Uh, I know Bobby Marks made a great point. The CBA has a, a clause in there about withholding services. And if a player sits out for 30, year, or 30 days after the start of the season, the team can basically say that you, you didn't complete your contract. You're not entering free agency in the offseason. So if you didn't have a ton of leverage as far as a holdout goes, the, the Sixers would still be able to hold the cards there and say, we're not allowing you to hit the market next summer. So that's probably why he's reporting. But I'm curious, what's the latest on this Harden situation? You know, could there be a mystery team that emerges? Because if you're the Clippers, I understand saying, we're not going to bid against ourselves. There's not any other teams willing to offer significant assets. Is there some kind of mystery team that can emerge? Or, you know, what's the latest on the situation based on what you're hearing? I haven't heard of a mystery team yet. And I think the other thing is, that would have to also encompass James Harden backing off his stance of only wanting to play for the Clippers. 
I get why he wants to play for the Clippers. But the way we saw with Damian Lillard after a while, you know, expand his list or at least be open to the idea of yeah. going somewhere other than Milwaukee, maybe James has to do that. But at the same time, with Daryl Morey, you know, Daryl, he's the type of guy that just does not want to cave. He does not want to make a bad deal. And he doesn't care that it's going to get messy right now, at least. Um, I think for Daryl, he knows he's got a lot riding on James. And, um, you know, either way, whether they make a trade or not, they don't want to take salary long term. They want to go in and have this max cap space, whether they can use it for a trade for a future guy with a longer-term contract that maybe another team doesn't want or going into the free agent market, that's how I think they're going to get better. We're going to touch on this a little later on, but it's a domino effect that could affect Joel Embiid. And, you know, a lot of people around the league are like, okay, how's Joel Embiid taking this? Is he going to want out? That's what everybody's waiting on. Um, So there are a lot of dominoes in Philadelphia that are going to matter here coming up sooner rather than later. That's going to affect the entire landscape of the NBA, in my opinion, Alex, quite frankly. So that was my next question for you. Uh, We've been Mm -hmm. spending so much time talking about Dame Lillard and Bradley Beal and these stars that had been, you know, kind of fans wanted them on their team for a long time. They were always in rumors. Who is the next superstar then, now that both of these guys have found new homes, that could be on the move? You mentioned Embiid. Um, you know, is he the guy that people would kind of start circling? I know Giannis there for a second. People were kind of wondering with those comments he was making, could he be available? The Bucks clearly had some similar concerns and made the trade. You know, is Embiid the guy? Are there any other guys that you're thinking that, you know, should kind of be circled on that list? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, first off, I mean, aside from Harden, I think then, you know, again, all eyes are going to be on Joel Embiid around the rest of the league, keeping tabs on him. Similarly, Donovan Mitchell's another guy that I think teams around the league are kind of keeping an eye on, depending on how Cleveland fares, you know, assuming they make the playoffs and everything this year. Um, Because eventually, you know, he'll have a player option coming up down the line, uh, which he's, you know, more than likely probably going to decline to give himself more leverage. Um, And then that would put him at, I believe, this year and then next year he'd be under contract. So, um, you know, that that door is kind of knocking a little bit around the league. Um, other than that, people are obviously going to keep tabs on Zach Levine, whose name has come up before. And I touched on it recently on Hoopsite. But now that Damian Lillard's gone, you know, quietly teams are waiting to see what the landscape is going to look like for Jeremy Grant in Portland before the trade deadline with the Trailblazers expected to go more towards a full rebuild. And, you know, I, I know that, you know, they could say, well, he's a part of their plans going forward, but he's close to the prime of his career and the, the timeline and the trajectory doesn't fit. So um, other teams, you know, that may be needing a four are going to be looking at Jeremy Grant closer to the play, uh, excuse me, to the trade deadline when he becomes eligible to be traded. Um, so, you know, that that's another guy I'd be looking at. Is there a team that stands out to you that could surprise everyone this year? I was at Orlando Magic Media Day yesterday and spending time around this team. They just have so much young talent, but it also seems like they're ready to take that step forward. You know, you talk to guys like Paolo, Franz, Barkel Fultz. Um, you know, they're expecting to be a playoff team. Wendell Carter Jr. said playoffs are bust, uh, which, you know, a lot of guys say, but he was actually willing to say it on the record and put it out there, uh, which I give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you nudged him along on that one. <laughs> maybe, maybe. 
Uh, there's a lot of excitement uh, around this team. And I feel like, you know, I've been in Orlando for years. I feel like this is the the most anticipated season of Magic Basketball since, you know, after the finals run, back yeah. at White Howard, Richard Lewis. There's a lot of excitement, you know, Paolo coming off his Team USA run with the world, in the World Cup. Sure. There, it's, that, that's my team, I would say, that really could surprise some people because I think a lot of people are viewing them as one or two years away, but I think they could actually compete. You know, last year we saw when they played some great teams like the Celtics, the Warriors, the Nuggets, they were able to beat those teams. So it's all about, you know, basically be more consistent and, and playing those great games more often. But who is a team for you that kind of stands out as a team that could surprise people? Well, as I say, first and foremost, I think the New Orleans Pelicans, if they stay healthy, they're a team I'm looking at. And because I think we saw a little glimpse of it last year when they were healthy. They were the top team in the West. So health is a big question mark for them. Trey Murphy's already hurt, but, um, you know, I, I think they can withstand that right now. But um, if they can stay relatively healthy, I think they are forced to be reckoned with in the West. Um, you know, when I do look in the rest of the West, I think Dallas improved. Uh, the continuity between Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving should improve. I think Graham Williams was good for them. I like Derek Lively Jr. for them. I think he's going to play some front core minutes, and I'm sure we'll talk about rookies and stuff coming up too. But um, I like John Collins for Utah. I think that was an underrated addition for them. Um, you know, if Utah can get a, you know, they got Colin Sexton, you know, at point guard right now, but if they maybe upgrade that, that's a real team to keep an eye out for as well. Something I think they, they'll keep an eye on trying to do. I mean, you touched on Orlando. That would be my team in the East. I don't know if they're a playoff team yet, but um, Orlando played over 500 basketball after the first 25 games last year when they got healthier. So I think Jamal Mosley's done a good job with that group. Um, I recently actually had him on the Hoopside podcast. He was a great guest talking about um, the team and some past experiences coaching Luca, uh, Dirk, Jalen Brunson, et cetera, um, you know, Carmelo. Um, yeah. But I, I think they're a real force to be reckoned with. And people are going to sleep on them, but I wouldn't. I think they'd have a chance to be a playing team in the East. Yeah, Mosley's so respected, especially as a developmental guy. It was cool hearing all the Team USA guys rave about him and just how, you know, he kind of worked with them uh, throughout that run. And yeah, in Orlando, he's, he's beloved. He's been a great hire for them. Actually, it's funny, during media day, whenever I was tweeting out the videos of him, there were Mavericks fans that were, you know, kicking themselves, thinking, how did we let this guy get away? Because he's been, you know, a really impressive uh, coach in Orlando, and I think he has a really bright future. Uh, definitely listen to that podcast, by the way. Hoopsite Podcast. Uh, Mike does a great job. And uh, yeah, that, that sounds like an awesome episode. I got to check that out. Uh, real quick, I do want to thank our presenting sponsor, uh, Prize Picks. If you haven't tried daily fantasy sports on Prize Picks, you are missing out. Here's how it works. You pick two to six players and pick whether they'll score more or less points than their prize pick projection. If you're right, you win big. You can win 25 times your money on any entry. Prize picks offers projections on every single sport. NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer, WNBA, eSports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, overseas basketball, cricket. Uh, if you've been wanting to play fantasy disc golf, uh, prize picks is the place for you. Uh, you don't compete against other people. It's just you versus your projections. You can mix and match players from different sports. So you could have LeBron James, Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. If you download prize picks today and use the promo code Alex when you sign up, they'll match 100% of your deposit up to $100. That's promo code Alex for 100% deposit matchup 
to $100. It takes 60 seconds or less to build a lineup. To show you how easy it is, we're actually going to build a lineup here. Let me go ahead and do that now. So I'm going to put this on the screen. Let's go ahead and they do these things. Taco Tuesday. They have GM projections. Alex. Yeah, let's do it. They have these projections that uh, are much lower. They're easier to beat, easier to you know win on. So I'm going to say more for DJ Moore having more than 26.5 receiving yards. That seems like an easy one. And to show you that you can mix and match different sports, I'm going to go WNBA, Brianna Stewart. Let's go more than 23.5 points. You choose, you must hit two out of two in this entry. If I get it right, I get 3x my money. Let's do a $10 entry. And let's place that entry. Boom. Done. So there you go. That shows you how easy it is. Uh, thanks to PrizePix for sponsoring this episode. Again, they said under 60 seconds. That was under like 30 seconds. And then those games become much more fun when you watch them. So shout out PrizePix. All right. We talked about the Eastern Conference and, uh, you know, the top teams over there. But I want your NBA Finals pick. Uh, for me, I'm going to go Nuggets Bucks. I just think the Bucks have too much talent. Uh, I'm yeah. curious to see what happens after the coaching change with Adrian Griffin over there. But um, again, going back to, we had the East conversation. The Nuggets just seem so loaded to me. You know, even when they won that championship, I was tweeting some stuff and just about, this run's not going to come to an end soon. Obviously we saw Bruce Brown left and they've had some, you know, uh, losses, but the core is intact and they're going to be attacked for the next few years. Uh, the continuity there is important. You know, so many of these teams that uh, are contenders have some changes. And I, I think one of the most underrated things in all of sports is continuity, chemistry. The Nuggets have so much of that. I mean, this this core has been together for quite some time, uh, and that's huge. Uh, and, and the coaching staff has been together for so long too. So that's my pick as of now. I would say Nuggets over Bucks, and maybe let's say in six games would be my prediction. What's your NBA Finals pick? I mean, I I would go with for now the Celtics, and I'll go with uh, the Nuggets. And if I have to pick. Eh, give me the Celtics in seven. Okay, Why I like not? it. Check, check back with me and circle back. <laughs> yeah, nothing better than an early October NBA Finals pick. Yeah. Huh? Training camps, day one of training camps, got to make our finals pick. I just had to ask. Um, I do want to ask you, you know, you're obviously based in New York, if anyone couldn't tell by the accent. Um, I want to ask you about this Knicks team. 47 sure. wins last year. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of excitement. Um it's the Knicks, so there's always going to be talk about other stars that, you know, they could potentially pluck away from other teams. But the core they have in place is, is talented. What are your thoughts on the Knicks this year, and what are your expectations for this season? Uh, I mean, I thought the Knicks last year overachieved a little bit. I thought maybe they'd be a first-round team that went to the next round. I think now, like, the continuity's there. Getting Dante DiVincenzo is good, but they have a glut of guards. And I think, you know, the big question right now is what are they doing at the backup four after, you know, Julius? Um, you know, Josh Hart might play a few minutes there, which, all right. I mean, like, we'll see how it goes. Josh was great for them. Like, don't get me wrong. But I just think Josh playing the four is a bit tough. That's a lot to ask of a guy. He's a great, you know, role player. But that's a lot to ask when you're going up against bigger, bruising, you know, front court players. And, um, you know, Mitch Robinson was able to play really well against Cleveland, um, against Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. After that, kind of came back to earth a little bit. So I think for me, the Knicks are pretty much in the same position. I, 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 that's what I see. And I think in the East, you know, after, um, you know, Boston and Milwaukee, 
it's kind of a free for all. You know, Philly's got to figure out what's going on with James Harden. That's going to be a toxic environment. And then you've got Cleveland, which made some strides last year. They could be better with more continuity. Miami's always a threat to be a top four seed in the East if they can have Jimmy Butler stay healthy through the year. And, you know, bam, out of bio. Um, you know, the Knicks are there as well in that conversation because of the continuity. Um, but we touched, you know, you touched on a little bit about them. They'll always be connected to stars. They're going to be looking to try to make a splash and get a star. Question is, who is it going to be? Um, you know, certainly the chatter about Joel Embiid out there um, is significant in the sense that, I mean, I would say that's their top target on their wish list, but, you know, is that going to happen? You know, time will, time will tell on that one. I want to talk about another team that's been, you know, talked about a lot. We mentioned the New Look Bucks, New Look Celtics. The Suns are, are going to be a really fun team this year. Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley right. Beal, Yusuf Nurkic. I, I think going into the offseason, the big question was, A, what's going to happen with DeAndre Ayton? And then B, what are they going to do about their depth? Because they only had minimum contracts to hand out. They were able to get Eric Gordon as part of the uh, the Lillard Aiden trade. They got back Grace Nallen, Najee Naj Little. You know, they've been able to make some free agency signings as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on this Suns team? Because on one hand, ton of star power. Um, clearly ownership there is going all in and, and wants to compete for a championship. Yeah. Uh, but again, not the, not the most depth. Uh, thoughts on this team and, and what do you expect from the Suns? 45 wins last year. Do they, they top that this year? And, and do you think they can potentially win a championship? I think they'll top the wins. I think the question, you know, I feel like they built a team the way you built uh, that prize picks thing. It's a little bit kind of fantasy <laughs> to me. Like NBA I, 2K type? Yeah, yeah. To me, it's just like, you know, who's, who's running point? Like, who's getting the ball to all these guys? Who's managing, you know, that, I don't want to say the egos, but you got three guys that have averaged, like, you know, 25-plus in their career. Bradley Beal's averaged 30 a couple of years. Like, somebody's taking a backseat. It's not Durant, and I certainly don't think it's Book. So, Beal, I guess, is going to be the guy, and he's going to run point. He's not a point. He's... He's a scorer who can who can make plays for others, but that's not his natural instinct. I think that it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. To me, I I really think like they're overlooking that a little bit. They're going to be a great team on paper. Don't get me wrong, and the depth that they got for guys on the minimum, like Yuta Watanabe, was fantastic in Brooklyn last year. If he can shoot like that, I've always been intrigued by Bull Bull as a player, um, just because. You know, like, how can I? I don't want to compare him and Victor Wembanyama because they're not in the same. I get it though. Range as far as like, the build. Yeah. Before Victor Wembanyama was doing all this dribbling at seven three, like, oh, oh, look at the highlights in Orlando. He dribbling full court behind the back, dunking on people in transition. Um, he's needed more structure, I think, and you know. Some of that, like, on him, I think it's going to be on him to kind of take the next step yeah. in his development with this team and be around guys that are looking to win. Um, so, to me, like, they've got enough depth. I just – it's the point guard spot for me and and managing all those um, – all that talent 
and and now trading for Nurkic, um, you know, they think he's a better fit than Aiton. Okay, well, if he's going to be a better fit, then Frank Vogel's got to get a lot out of him defensively. And that's my concern, you know. And you know, before he got hurt with his leg injury, Nurk was really good defensively. Yeah. I mean, I could see him on offense being, you know, used in DHOs and dribble handoffs and like he can do that stuff still. And I think he's fine as your fourth guy. But defensively and in terms of the point guard spot, those are my two big questions for Phoenix right now. I think we'll see Booker at the point guard uh, spot. You know, he's played well there at times. He's gotten better facilitating and setting up others. You know, we've seen him do it, uh, you know, in the past year or two. Uh, and yeah, I'm curious to see what Bradley Beal looks like as a third option. We haven't seen that. I mean, he's been obviously a fantastic scorer, but as a third option, it's it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, what he can do going again when you're when defenses are throwing their best, you know, perimeter guys at Book, KD, you know, can Beal just dominate against some lesser defenders? The Nurkic acquisition is interesting to me because I think he he'll definitely provide spacing and three point shooting, and you don't get that with DeAndre Ayton. And I think that they were just so sick of Ayton's up and down motor and, and, you know, inconsistency, basically. I, I think, uh, with I think that was two way street for the Bolton. I'm going to be honest with you, Alex. I think he wanted, yeah. I think he wanted a, a bigger role. I think they wanted him to, like you said, have the consistent, I, it was just time for the Bolton. I just thought, I thought they would get a little more free and I'll be honest with you. Me too. Well, I definitely think there's something to be said for the fact that they didn't they, they kind of devalued their own asset and the fact that they didn't give him the extension. Uh, and I think he was the only first overall pick other than Anthony Bennett in the past, what, 30 years to not get extended. That was, and, and, and that's after he helped him go to the NBA Finals. He could have been the kind of guy that's like, let me just put up my own stats. I think he made sacrifices to help him get to the finals. And obviously there are warranted questions about his motor and inconsistency and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they could have gotten back more too. And part of me wonders, you know, could... Did they not get back as much back because they're leaking things like we can easily replace the production if he doesn't come back? And some of the stories that kind of came out during free agency, uh, which understandably, I'm sure, would upset Aiden and his camp. Both yeah. sides, I think, could have handled it better. Aiden could have been more consistent and had more of a motor. Um, and I think he'll do better in Portland where he can kind of be built around and be a cornerstone there. Uh, and the Suns could have gotten more for him and not devalued their own assets. So it kind of goes both ways. This is a very interesting team. I I'm very curious to see how it all fits together. Um, you know, I think... With Nurkic, they want someone that's going to give 100% pretty much every play, and they don't have to worry about those ups and downs and kind of staying on him. Um, and I think he's someone that's more willing to accept being the fourth or fifth option as opposed to an Aiton who is, a lot of times when guys are younger in their career, they're like, I want all-star berths, crazy stats, go get endorsements. You know, whereas a veteran guy like Nurkic is going to say, I, I want to sacrifice potentially and do what it takes to go win a championship. You know, he's already made his money and... and Kind of gotten some accolades. Well, uh, so he got a second contract he wanted. Remember when that would he said like when he was drafted, like you know that. Oh yeah, yes. That's that. All I'm telling you right now. When he said that, definitely executives around the the league raised an antenna or two. And I remember. That. I don't blame him. But yeah. now he's going to go to Portland, and like he should on paper be a twenty and ten guy. Yeah, he'll have every opportunity. To like crazy numbers. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, and last thing you mentioned, Bull Bull. Having covered him in Orlando, he's very interesting because there are games where you're just like, man, this guy is unstoppable. But then there's also games, going back to the you know consistency issue, where he just doesn't show up. I know he had some issues off the court too, just like with some professionalism things, like 
being late. I know during the pre-draft process, for example, like there were interviews he just missed and things like that. So some teams were just like, uh, you know, we can't really trust this guy. So, but he's 23 years old. You know, he's a young kid. He needs to, I think, I'm sure his start to his NBA career has probably humbled him a bit and made him realize the importance of some of those things. Uh, So being on a team like this that is a contender and has strong leaders and veterans, I think that could be really good for him because he's been on a lot of young teams uh, where maybe he didn't have that structure in place. So I think his favorite guy. Durant was a guy he always grew up wanting to watch. So it's like, all right, show out for KD then and and play your best. And you're on a short-term contract. It's like you kind of need to. It's now or never. 100%. Yeah, well said. Last question for you, then we'll get out of here. Who are some rookies that you're excited about? Obviously, we talked about, you know, Wemby briefly. By the way, you mentioned uh, the comparison to Wemby and Bull Bull. Last year, Paolo kind of turned some heads because he said, why is everyone so excited about Wemby when Bull Bull is the same player? Which, now those are, you know, some pretty strong words. Uh, yeah. I, but I get what you're saying as far as... I asked him when he was in town. That's why I came out. Oh, he that's was, your quote. He was in, he was in uh, Brooklyn. And and both of them were there, and I was I was talking to Bull Bull for a story on him because at the time he was playing really well. Yeah, and very early on, he looked like he could be a most improved player of the year candidate. Um, and then Paolo was there, and I walk over, and there was a couple others there too. And then I was like, well, you know, we just got to asking him, what do you think? And he was kind of like, he was doing it before Wemby. I'm like, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> you, my, you made my story very interesting. Appreciate that. I, knew yeah. I, I, I didn't realize that that was your quote. That's so funny. But yeah, I mean, the build's definitely similar and the upside is crazy. Um, but obviously, if we're talking about rookies that we're excited about, sure. Wemby is going to be on that list. Uh, the most hyped up prospect since LeBron. Yeah. You know, his summer league uh, game, everyone's watching it and tweeting about it. Sold He's, out. I mean, go ahead. He sold, he sold out. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Thomas and Mack Center. I don't know if that even for Zion, I don't I don't know if it was a sellout. I think the closest I've seen uh was that Lonzo Ball Lakers debut where it was like packed. You had a bunch of NBA stores court side, but I was telling you, like being there for all of them, Victor Wembanyama, like the hype was insane. Walk like you, I couldn't even all right, you ready for this? Yep. All I wanted was a dairy cream uh frosty. And I had to wait online for like 20-something minutes because it was packed. You could barely walk on the concourse when Wembenyama was playing. It was absurd. Wow. Yeah, I, oh, LeBron James had his debut with the Orlando Summer League back in the day. But the difference there is there's no fans. So oh. it's packed with players, executives, coaches, no fans. Though The fan component changes everything. Yeah. That's where it's loaded there. So I've been, after, I like when they did both, but Orlando was fun. I remember Orlando that. was so much fun. It was also, I mean, for us, inside baseball year, but you know, made our jobs easier too because you could just go hang out with executives and stuff like that. We're, yeah. This is them hiding in a corner because there's all the fans in the building. So 100%. it was nice for us, but RIP Orlando Summer League. Um, Wemby is obviously someone that everyone is excited to watch. Even casual sports fans are going to tune into some Spurs games to see yeah. Wemby. Who are some other rookies that you're excited about watching this year? I mean, obviously I think Scoot Henderson's a rookie of the year candidate now that Dame is gone, but I touched on Derek Lively a little, a little bit. I think for Dallas, he's going to be huge for their front court. Um, defensively, I think he has a chance to give them what Tyson Chandler gave them years ago. Um, and I think they need that. I really do. They've been lacking in the center department for a while. I'm looking at him. Uh, some second-round sleepers. You know, I think Jalen Pickett could get some time with Denver as a backup point guard. 
I liked Leonard Miller with G League Ignite. I think him going to the Wolves is interesting. Um, and probably a guy that not a lot of people know as well, but Mohamed Gouye with uh, the Atlanta Hawks with their front court. The guy is skilled. And I just remember during training camp, um, you know, their coach at the time, and uh, excuse me, in, in Vegas Summer League, I think it was Antonio Lang at the time, said that this guy's ceiling is uh, untapped. They don't know. Like, it's, it's, he has like an unlimited ceiling. I believe that. He's only been playing ball for a few years, but he's so athletic. Um, I think he can help them in the front court if he gets a chance. Um, so those are sleepers. But to me, again, I, I like, you know, Scoot to challenge Victor Wembanyama for Rookie of the Year. And I think Derek Lively is going to have a huge impact on a Dallas team that's trying to make the playoffs and be a top six team and avoid the play-in. I think if he's the shot-blocking presence that they think he can be, it'll go a long way. This rookie class has a chance to be really special. Obviously, we know about Wemby and Scoot. You also have Chet Holmgren, which is kind of a cheating answer, but he's, you know, considered... Yeah, I forget, I forget about that. That's a good point. Yeah. And I mean, he's Chet... be a ton of fun. Yeah, and it's like he put on the freshman 15, you know, like in college. Yeah. He, he bulked up from a little bit. And, and, you know, that's a loose term for him, but what is he, like <laughs> 210 maybe now? Yeah, uh, around there. But yeah, I mean, he's going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait, I, you know, for him to come to Orlando. I want to watch Chad versus Paolo. Um, but yeah, I mean, this rookie of the year, everyone's going to have Wemby as the favorite, understandably so. But Scoot Henderson's going to have every opportunity to put up crazy numbers in Portland. The ball's going to be in his hands nonstop. You have Chet, who's going to block a ton of shots and, you know, be huge different make, make, difference maker on defense. Um, some of the, like, sleeper guys, like you mentioned, um, Cam Whitmore is interesting to me. We saw what he could do in summer league with the, the Rockets. He slipped on draft night. It was one of the big stories. Everyone's thinking that he's going to be a top four, top five type player. Ends up falling. Um, and then, you know, had a chip on his shoulder in summer league and really showed what he could do. So he's a lot of fun. I'm curious, you know, what the Rockets are going to do in general. It's an interesting team with a nice mix of veterans and, and young players. So I don't know if he'll be able to put up, you know, big numbers right away because the playing time probably won't be there. Like, it is for some of the other guys, but, uh, you know, as a long-term kind of guy, I, I like his talent and think he's really interesting. And then Keontae George is really interesting to me in Utah. Uh, you know, he's a great scorer. I know he kind of slowed down toward the end of his, uh, you know, college season last year, but um, he can have some monster games. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that uh, a lot of fans are, are tuning in to watch on League Pass because he'll put up some big games uh, and, and be a great scorer. So, yeah, those are some of the guys for me. And then I think there's some, you know, fun storylines too, like, the Thompson twins, they're a great story. I'm curious to see what they can do. Their games are so different, but they're both so much fun, you know, to watch. So there's, there's a lot of players this year that I think, you know, are worth being excited about. Uh, it's going to be an interesting class. Uh, Mike, I appreciate you doing this, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, let me, like, you know what we're going to do right now? We're going to check your Twitter account and see if you ended up passing the 50K. I'm probably right on the... Let's see it. I'm if not, I'm be disappointed. Anyone watching right now, make sure you go to Mike. Oh, you did! Hey, our followers came through. You are at 50K exactly. Uh, so whoever went and made the fault, you know, went and followed Mike, appreciate you. We, we accomplished our goal for this first episode of Running Up the Score. Uh, be sure to tune in every single week. We're going to be doing this every Tuesday and Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. On Thursday, I'm actually going to have two guests. We're going to have Sean Marion and Ronnie2K. So check that out. Some, uh, you know, Suns talk, talk about today's NBA and Marion. I know he has some strong thoughts about today's NBA, how he would have fit in it. And, uh, and, and the Ryan 2K, talk about this year's uh, NBA 2K game. So appreciate everyone tuning in. Don't miss it. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Prize Picks. Again, make sure you use that promo code Alex 
you can get 100% of your deposit matched up to $100. Make uh, this Sunday's NFL game a bit more interesting. You know, go ahead and, and build your own daily fantasy lineup over there and have some fun. Tune in next Friday or this Friday, and uh, we'll be back with Ronnie 2K and Sean Marion. Thanks for watching Running Up Score. 